I spent the Christmas in the northeast of England along with my wife Pippa's family, so I took the chance to take the drive across the red car to catch up with Britain's number one downhill mountain bike rider, Danny Hart. How was Christmas, Danny? Did Santa come? Yeah, Christmas has been good. Um, I mean, it's for my wife now. It's hard to... What do you get someone that's got everything? So <laughs> it's funny to say that is my wife. It's crazy because I just got She's married. She's got you. So. She's got everything. Yeah. So, no, it's been nice. I mean, we spent Christmas Day at my, my sister's house with my, my nephew and my parents. And um, Christmas won't be the same again for me neither with having a, a baby girl on the way. So it was our last Christmas just... But me and Sophia, so exciting times. Yeah, it's been a big year, hasn't it, with uh, everything that's went on. Not Well, we'll get on to the racing side, but I mean, you got married as well last month, and now with Sophia expected, and you're your first child. So um, you ended out the year incredibly with um, winning the, the last race of the year in the, the USA, yeah. and then having your wedding and now expecting uh, a kid. It's a nice time. Yeah, it never really came easy for me and Sophia having the kid we were trying for a long time so timing wasn't really perfect for with obviously with my career and and racing and whatnot but we didn't really have the option so they say you're never really prepared but we're doing our best to figure everything out and and make sure that it's a try and have a good transition into parenting so it was a lot and obviously getting married and Sophia being pregnant and then we went on our honeymoon and it's been a hard couple of months but I'm like buckling down now and getting into training and getting ready for 2020 so everything's looking good. I'm back out on my bike a few times a week and training hard. Ah, nice one. Well, I think in your game it never really does stop because thankfully for us in road racing we can do quite a number of weeks without riding and then still yeah. get back on the bike again and be fast. When when I was younger, that was maybe like four weeks. I think it's almost got to the stage now where I can do like eight, maybe nine weeks and not lose any speed. So I could do like two months off and get back on and within like my first run in five laps, I could be on the, the pace again. Pace. But I know with your game, anything off-road, same and motocross and stuff, you yeah. guys have to ride all the time because it's so instinctive. You see, we have to ride. I always want to ride as well. I yeah. think that's what I would struggle with in, in your... In your in racing superbikes and and motorcycle racing at the top level is like MotoGP guys. You guys, you don't ride no. anywhere near as much as what like I'll ride every weekend if I could. You know whether it be motocross or downhill or or whatever. But I see, like I know MotoGP, they only ride in specific tests, and and I know you guys ride different bikes like pit bikes, supermoto, and whatnot, but. I love getting out on my bike and like this time, like the last couple of months before Christmas, obviously with getting married, I didn't ride so much, but usually that's a time where I just go and ride with my friends under no, no pressure circumstances, no timing or anything. And then when the Christmas comes and the new year comes, that's when I start getting sharp again, back up to speed, getting the timing, timing out and really figuring it out. But yeah, I love riding, so yeah. it's it's really good. We enjoy riding other disciplines, I suppose, so that's yeah. how we get our buzz. But I think for us, like Valentino Rossi's Academy, they have started to ride a little bit yeah. more, like 600s yeah, and but... stuff, which some riders like to do, but I don't find any benefit, to be honest, unless I'm no. riding my bike. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel the same. I think what you have in your favour is each time you go to Portimao or Donington or wherever, it's 
it's this give or take it's the same as when you were last there yeah. maybe the track gets rougher if there's been cars or whatever but for us things are always changing so we need to keep our eye in a little bit and you guys I know have some to... guys do stop but I like riding, so carry on. You guys have to test quite a bit because you're even with the wheel thing that's been going back and mm-hmm. forth the last few years, the wheel size is changing. And sometimes you're changing even during the season. So does that come from you riding in one... Yeah, so last season I started the season, the race season, with the, the mullet setup, they call it, with the 29-inch wheel in the front, the 27.5 in the rear. And then after a couple of races... The tracks were changing quite dramatically, so I did try going 29 and 29, but I really preferred the the mullet setup, and I only figured that out through going to different places and testing with timing and with feel and stuff like that. So I ended up staying on the same bike as what I started on all season, and, and moving forward into next season right now, we'll be riding the same bike as what I finished on and which is good because I know that that bike worked well for me last season I was a sharp end all year and I know that even if I go into next season with the same bike and I'm maybe better prepared myself then it's a good recipe for a good year again. Well with you winning the, the last uh, race of the year in the snowshoe do you expect then the sheep effect that because guys are looking at you and think alright I'm going to have the same wheel set up as Danny a lot of people did change or did have the option to change and were trying that set up as the season went on who who did start on 29 foot front and rear but um, we'll just have to see I mean um, like Matt who, who won the overall and like Bruni he was on the same setup as me with wheel size and he did really well. And then there's guys like Troy Brosnan who was still on 27.5 and then Amory who was on 29er. So it's each to their own, I think. And, and what you get comfortable with is the main thing and you can push as hard as anyone. Uh, a guy like Amory Pierani, he's really tall, isn't he? Yeah, so I guess he can guy. throw the 29-inch wheels around. Yeah. But for someone with my untrained eye, I can see you and Loic Bruni look so good on the bike. A when lot you're... more dynamic, maybe, yeah. and putting the bike where we want. Yeah, yeah. it's really impressive how you just kind of float with the bike, mm-hmm. and it's so cool watching you yeah. too. Yeah, Armory does just yeah. let it hang out, and it, it clearly works for him. So maybe I need to take a leaf out of his book a little bit sometimes. <laughs> well, let's go back to right to the beginning then, uh, because I know. For you, you could have went into a number of disciplines because your dad, Paul, he was racing motocross and now he had a huge love for like superbike racing and yeah. what we did. And then you even started out in BMXs and stuff. So what was the the first bicycle you rode down? I don't, just uh, probably the same as most of us, a little bike with stabilizers. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like my nephew now, he has a, he had a two or three striders before he got a pedal bike. And then he had this, and now he has this brilliant little bike that's really light and really really good for the kids whereas that we didn't have any of that i was on a i think it was like a jungle bike a bmx with mag wheels and stabilizers just riding around the street but um yeah i could have gone i started racing motocross when i was a little kid with my dad was racing motocross at the time and it was just a natural thing for me to do 
And then my dad got a little bit sick of the traveling and so we sort of stopped the motocross and I got a BMX and then went BMX racing and we were traveling even more <laughs> down like to Devon, to Somerset. BMX racing is a lot down south. Right. And then we got a little bit over that. There was a lot of politics and north-south divide sort of thing and we were just sick of it and that's when we turned to mountain biking and the rest history really when you say bmx racing then was it where you're actually doing the we all start together yeah, and yeah, do a little almost the like pump course start, yeah. yeah yeah i did that from well oh, i must have been eight through to 11 12 i got to like top three in the country and i went to the world championships in america but in America back then, it was just a whole other level, and I just got smoked. I mean, it was crazy. They were all so big as well, and I was just a small little kid, and it was quite eye-opening. Do you think that's part of why you're able to throw the bike around and the way you whip the I bike now? Th- I think with BMX, when I first started the downhill, people could see that I'd come from BMX. Yeah. Like, I was already clipped in from a young age, clip- wow. with clipping pedals, and that was from BMX. And I had like I could sprint and I used to spin like spin really fast like a higher cadence yeah. and that's sort of gone away a little bit now as time's gone by, and like the style of downhills changed a lot. I mean you don't really pedal too much now. It's quite so crazy. Steep. So yeah, I think I did. I think BMX was was really beneficial for my mountain bike career. I think if anyone could start doing any sport and you wanted to end up on a on a mountain bike i think bmx is definitely the way to go for the young kids yeah and it's grassroots isn't it yeah. as well like even for us probably when you run motocross as well there's a good Everyone chance you, did it, yeah. yeah you're a bmx and as well it was how you learned how to jump because trying to jump like a bloody kx60 or something's <laughs> a bit tougher than yeah once you ride a bmx you learn how to throw it around because it's only a couple of kilos mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah bmx is always a good place to start for anyone i think I've got a little like Monty sort of trials bicycle and mm-hmm. never even bothered my ass riding it. My intention was years ago to get that to help my trials riding. And because it was too tough, I just kind of parked it and was like, ah, screw yeah. it. I'll get on the one that's got a throttle. Yeah. <laughs> That'll help me. I do a little bit of trials as well, actually. But when I say a little bit, really not much at all. And when I do go do a trial, I end up coming home sick because... It's not something I can just turn my hand to. Yeah. Whereas, like, if I jump on the motocross bike or on my BMX or on whatever other, like, what whatever other thing, really, I can usually <clears throat> just pick it up. But trials is a whole different ball game. Well, it's the opposite, <clears throat> isn't it, to our sports? Yeah, so going so slow. <laughs> yeah, we're meant to go as fast as we can. Yeah. And trials, you almost have to go as slow as you can. That's so it. that's why I enjoy it, because it's the opposite of what we Yeah, uh, we I do. guess it's good to go somewhere and not have expectation but yeah. from other people. But you expect I expect myself to be better, and but it just is what it is. When I uh, used to do some trials events over here at this time of year, at Christmas, whenever... Uh, uh, Pippa and I first started going out. I would bring my van over from Northern yeah, Ireland from the trials bike because yeah. the the trials here are brilliant. Like the Boxing Day trial and stuff. The the courses. I always did the Clubman course or something. Yeah. 
But the biggest problem I had back then was when I was with Red Bull. So I had a Red Bull trials helmet. Oh, so you almost oh. felt like there was expectation. Yeah. I was more nervous lining up to do a section of a, a silly, fun trial than I would have been lining up for the grid of a world There's championship race. There's a lot of trials over there, actually, isn't there? Like, my friend lives in Bishop Auckland, actually, and the trial scene over there, there's something on every weekend. Yeah. Buttsfield is, he was there the other day, and it's really cool. Because it's so, again, it's a little bit like BMX in the in the way that it's quite grassroots and no one, there's no egos or anything. It's just everyone out having a bimble around on their trials bikes. It's really quite good. And with your dad then, you said he <clears throat> didn't put across them. Was there a transition whenever he was still racing and you were racing there? Um, yeah, a little bit. I think like when I used to do motocross, like when I was a young kid, I got up to a 60, a KX60. And he'll have still been racing then, but I was never really that good at it. So it was just, I just did it and he was the main thing. But And then as we moved to different sports and there, I, I showed potential in other things, he had to stop and it all went on to me. But at that age as a kid, your your dad is your first hero, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, so sure, yeah. Was there ever a chance of you then you know, try and emulate him or were you watching somebody else, uh, like, I guess, uh, even Steve Pete and the guys in mountain biking? Well, we no, because my dad doing motocross was way before I knew anything even about downhill mountain really? biking. So um, I just used to have, like, my bedroom was just, the posters all over the walls were just motocross. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I used to just ride around, like, the infield of the track to the different parts, chasing my dad around. <laughs> he was always getting hurt, which... Which sucked, and he still is now, to be fair. He's forever <laughs> in the hospital. I think he's in the hospital more than I am. <laughs> it's my job. So how did the, the path open up then to, to downhill mountain biking? How did you come across it? Um, in fact, it was just some people from BMX Racing who did it as well. And they said, oh, you should have a go. And we, we went to a local shop and we built up a bike. And we actually went to Hamsterley, which is the first place I rode downhill. And, and it's funny now, like, me and my family, we, we own the bike park, so it's quite surreal, actually. I started riding there when I was 11, like 12. I, I was still racing BMX at the time, and that took that took priority, because with downhill, you couldn't start until you were 13. Okay. So I was still a bit too young, and yeah, so I was still racing BMX, and then as time went by, I just transferred it, put all my eggs into one basket with a downhill. But hamsterly, yeah. I haven't been there since uh, it's been uh, your park, but I remember going up there years ago and taking a look at some of the sections. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't be able to ride it. It's no, savage, it, that place. It's really quite small. Like, there's not a huge mountain. It's, like, yeah. it's a really small hill, but what we have crammed in there is, is really good quality. Like, you wouldn't... Like, you could see sections from Hamsterley in different World Cup tracks. It's all, like, really quite technical and, right. and hard. And I... I I strongly think that that's why I've been quite successful. I've, we've never, when I was young, it was never all these groomed bike park trails. It was proper downhill. And and I see the places where kids are riding now and they just want floor trails with 
tabletops and nice jumps, and I didn't have that when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, and that makes it so much easier where I've been to Morzine and Super Morzine. Yeah. And by the end of the first day, you feel like a legend yeah. because it's so easy and you get away with murder. Mm-hmm. So if you're riding on something natural, yeah. natural terrain, that's going to bring you on so much more. Yeah, I get a little bit bored. Like, I'll go to Whistler in, like, what they call the fall. So, like, after my season, I'll go over there for a couple of weeks just riding for fun. Whistler's a really nice place and... I just enjoy being there. It's a real like, good vibe. And I was riding with other guys from the World Cup, actually, and they just want to ride Dirt Merchant and Airline and all the jump trails. And I do a little bit of that, but I get bored so quickly and I want to get onto the proper downhill stuff. It's almost like you want to go off-piste, yeah, <laughs> like ski and stuff. Yeah, that's what it's like. So... So you um, weren't really able to start downhill mountain biking until you said you were 13, so in those three years you must have made a... In fact, British Cycling did let me, like I had ah. to do like this test and they came and they watched me ride through sections and stuff and they gave me a letter of dispensation, they called it, and they let me ride a couple of years early. Oh, cool. So they obviously saw that I, I wasn't a liability and I wasn't going <laughs> to get in the way, if you like, or cause danger danger to other people so they let me ride a little bit early so I think I was two years earlier so I must have been 11 and there and I was racing so I was in juvenile which is the youngest category for three or four years where normally it's just two yeah I think that was really cool to get me racing earlier than than normal yeah, because the fact that you were able to go and race World Cup at 16, I was thinking, how the hell did you get there in like yeah, 20 years? no, that was it. So, so you are able to do like four or five years? Yeah, so you do, so now like the kids, you don't hear of that happening anymore. So you would do two years in juvenile, two years in youth, and then in, on to junior for the World Cup. So it's four years in your... Yeah. It's not long, I guess, is it, to be on the World Cup scene? I never no, thought of it like that. And racing against the, the kind of lineup that. You, yeah. So, whenever you come through the ranks, and you did pretty good from what I know with like junior ranks and stuff, mm-hmm. even in um, top three in the podiums and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so when I was a junior, you used to race, you used to have to qualify in the main race in the, with the seniors, whereas now the juniors have their own race. So. Back then, it was the top 80 qualified into the final. So it was like there was no special treatment to the juniors. We were just thrown in with the big guys and then... Were you able to compare, like, times then? Yeah, we were racing in the same category. That's and good. then they separated our results at the end. So, yeah, I have, like, I have 100% qualifying ratio i've never not qualified so that was pretty cool wow yeah well, i can't imagine that though that you go from being a kid and then it's like right now you're going to be in moto gp against yeah. valentino rossi yeah <laughs> so well, that's what like i was just telling you earlier i was listening to a podcast with jack miller and he went from moto 3 to yeah. moto gp didn't he and he was saying how people were what are you doing what are you doing it's <laughs> never going to work and it worked quite well for him, didn't it? So. That is the case, isn't it? It's, mm. it's either sink or swim. Yeah. And sometimes if the challenge is maybe too big, it's up to somebody to, to step up to it. So yeah. I think um, you're pretty modest, so I can imagine that you just would have took it in your stride. And uh, maybe a cocky kid 
might have got a knock because yeah. he would see that he was yeah. down in 95th or something. Mm-hmm. But I imagine for you, you were just like... Uh, like as a youth, like the category before junior, like in your second year youth, you're always comparing your times to yeah. the junior times. I guess it's the same in any sport, I guess. You're always comparing to the next tier. Yeah. And it was always competitive, so... Yeah, I took to it like really quite well, I guess. And whenever you were starting to do things like the Junior World Championships, how was it? Because I don't really know your yeah, game. Yeah, so the Junior World Champs, like, like I won the Senior World Champs twice, but the Junior World Champs, I never won. Like the first year we were in Italy, actually, in Val de Sol in 2008. And that was really quite eye-opening. Like, Val de Sol is a, a serious track. It's really hard work. And I wasn't expected to win that then. I was racing against like Josh Bryceland and really, really fast guys. And then in my second year, we were racing. The World Champs was in Canberra in Australia. And like that was my year to sort of win. Like it was all set out for me. My team at the time worked really hard. We had a, a special bike because the track was really quite, quite flat. And so we worked on a special bike, a shorter travel and... And I just got him beat. And Brooke McDonald won, actually. And oh, he's yeah. obviously gone on to great things as well. He's just suffering now with a, a back injury, but I'm sure he'll be back back strong. But, yeah, he won that race. And so I never won as a junior, which at the time I was really upset about because you get two opportunities and I messed up on them both. But moving forward, obviously, I figured it out. <laughs> So is that the case then? You were only actually permitted to do two years junior? Yeah, it's between 16 and 18, depending on where your birthday is, so it's two years. Oh, well, I can imagine at that time that was your world. Yeah, well, it was, yeah. It meant everything to you, and little did you know then a couple of years later what you were going to achieve. Because at the time, like, there was a few fast guys that had never won it, and they moved on to, to really big things, so... That's what I did, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure you've talked about that day so many times um, throughout the last eight years because it is yeah. one of those moments that uh, defines your career. And it it, it's, it's, it's not going to be the, the best moment in your career, but it's one of those that stand out. Like, for me, I have one from six years ago where I rode around the outside of Marco Malandri, so every fan will comment about it. And six years pass and everyone mentions it. But... The strange thing with it is people only ever tell you about that was an amazing pass. They don't actually ask you. I'm sure you're probably yeah. the same, but they don't actually ask you about that feeling. Did you actually know once you'd done that run like this was pretty special? Well, what's difficult in, in downhill mountain biking is you don't know what anybody else has done. And, and we hadn't ridden that track in those conditions. So it was just like wide open, like just do <laughs> it what was you that. will. Like... And I was on the start line and I saw like that there was a river running down the track. And obviously I ride in the mud all the time. I ride in the, in the rain. So I knew that under that water, it was grippy. And so I just, to try and get that in your head is obviously quite difficult. But I just followed it and, and it was just coming together all the way down. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like this, I didn't, I only got out of shape like one time and, wasn't even that bad and that was just through me doing a line which in the dry was off the main line so it wasn't like blue groove there was a little bit of like 
dirt so yeah. I could cut the corner and it could get a bit of grip. But when it rained like it did, <laughs> I, I kept put my foot out and I drifted around and I, I carried on. And then that was it really. And like I did the big whip because I, I'd been doing that all week. In practice, those jumps were really fun and I'd had a good run and I couldn't do any more and just went on and finished and yeah, the rest sort of history really. Right, I think every mountain biking fan will know that run, but for anybody listening that has never watched it before, you just gotta type it into the YouTube to see Danny's yeah. uh, World Championship run, winning run in 2011 in yeah. the Shadbury, wasn't it? Like, it's crazy how long ago that is now. It is, eh? The time passes, but no, nah, I think that's such a cool clip. It adds to it the commentary as well, isn't it? Rob yeah. Warner, he was yeah, just Rob shitting himself. Rob and Nige did a hellish job with the commentary. <laughs> he almost lost his voice, didn't he? It's a he? shame they're not allowed to get like that now, like it's gone all corporate now with Red Bull and, and these things happen, but yeah, they did make it. Now, for me watching it, I preferred whenever the commentary was like that because it was almost added to the entertainment, it was mm-hmm. just almost yeah. making you laugh. As yeah. well, because you could yeah, tell they, they were... Sunk a few beers by that time, I think. <laughs> they weren't exactly just sat down in a shirt and tie. You can imagine <laughs> they were stood up just That's what it's like now. But they do a really good job now, and it's a really professional outfit, I guess, and it's only positive that it's gone like it has. And so. you were still a teenager then, so what yeah. a, so what a run to do. I'd have been 18, 19, I think. And in the UK then, would your profile have went through the roof at that moment? Well, in downhill, I guess. I'd had a good season up until that point. Like, I'd been on... I think I got fourth in the World Cup overall and been on the podium and I'd been close to winning a couple and that was only my second year pro, if you like. So I knew going into that race that I could do well. And then after that, yeah, that, like made my career if you like I wouldn't be sat here now maybe if it wasn't for that yeah so that was really good and 2012 was a tough year obviously with with the success of 2011 you're world champion you know everybody's chasing you around come here can you do this I went to Las Vegas for Interbike and one thing or another and I potentially didn't come in well I, I never came into 2012 as prepared as I would have liked to, but I think these things happen. Yeah, Rudy just came into the room, Danny's dog. Ruby go downstairs. <laughs> He's a bit protective of you, isn't he? He's like, where's he at? Yeah, so 2012, I struggled a little bit. To st- oh, I got on the podium, but I wasn't in the best shape, and then I had a crash and dislocated my shoulder, so I didn't get a chance to defend my title, which it would have been really difficult because it was in... In Leo Gang in Austria, which, if you imagine Champre in two thousand and eleven, and then Leo Gang in two thousand and twelve, the tracks couldn't be as far apart. Mm. So that was a shame. I didn't get a chance to try and defend my title, but it would have been difficult anyway. And at that time, then, um, who was the immediate team around you? Was your dad able to travel with you? Yeah. So in two thousand and eleven and twelve. My parents came with me. I went with them in their camper. Like, that's how that's how we've done it forever. Obviously, with my dad racing motocross and just weekend warriors, we were always away in camper vans. We just lived in, we didn't live in them, but every weekend we're in the camper, and that's like my sort of 
my home away from home so giant were willing to obviously pay expenses and and for me to do that so my parents were with me a lot then yeah um for me as well i i've always enjoyed van life and yeah, i think that comes from yeah. yeah just being on the road and motocross mountain biking and just stuff take you home with you yeah because there's all well and good a car you can park it easily in tesco's or something but yeah. you can't put your bikes in the back of a car so even now like me and my wife and we travel europe in the camper it's not actually here right now it's in the garage having some work done but i wouldn't do it any other way really even moving forward in 2020 obviously having a baby i won't be able to go to maybe the first one or first three in the camper but after that we're going to try and go in the camper and I just like having everything at my fingertips like all my I hate living out of a hotel like waking up going to breakfast and having to wake up early to get to the track I just like to fall out of my bed and be right there and yeah. have everything just there and some people have never really had that they've always done the bed and breakfast or travel lodge and I don't think they know what they're missing it's ideal for you as well with your wife Sophia grew up racing yeah, in the mud yeah. as well so she loves it yeah like and she knows exactly what it takes so it's just like she's got something that I need before I even ask for it it's just it's maybe going to be harder moving forward but. yeah but Sophia was a pretty handy motocross rider then, so do you guys get to ride motocross together now? Uh, not so much now. We did a little bit to start with, but... And who's faster? Uh, <laughs> I think I've got her covered, but she doesn't ride anymore. When she was in her day, like, she raced the World Championships, and she was really handy. And it's really good to have her in my corner, because, like I said, she knows exactly what it takes to be at the top level, and... There's not really many many like her, I don't think. No, you two clearly have a little uh, team uh, going there, and yeah. that's what you need. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a different chapter next year, like it you say, with the baby coming along. But uh, I think it'll only make me work harder and be more disciplined and cross all my T's and dot all my I's, because you have to. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be crazy. And you got to be more organised because you're suddenly responsible for, for yeah. somebody else. But no, uh, you're, you're 28 now, so you're still... You're 28, aren't you? Yeah, now? So am, you, yeah. you still get a lot of years left. What, how many years do you expect to, to continue? Well, well it's, I, it's crazy. Like, I still... I was having this conversation the other day. I'm 28 now. And I still don't feel any different to what I did when I was 21. And That's perfect. It's just... I have no visions of stopping where some guys do, I think. They want to get in, get what they do, get what they want out of it and be done. Whereas it's my life, if you like. And what does scare me is one day when I do have to stop, maybe <laughs> having to figure something else out. But if I invest well and look after my look after myself and... Yeah. I should be okay. Well, what age is Greg Menard now? He's here for a few Yeah, years. he'll be... I think he's got 10 years on me. And, and he's, he's still at the top. He's like... I thought he'd been quite injury-free. He's never had massive injuries. He's carried... He's been plagued with shoulder injuries and things like that. But he looks after himself, I think. He, he trains hard and... And I think... Yeah, I don't see why I can't do the same thing. And if I want to, you know, 
I can't see myself wanting to stop, but like I've been doing it now. I started racing World Cups as a junior in 2008. And <laughs> it's a long, quite a long time ago now. It's Yeah, it's crazy. You're similar to me. I started World Championship 2007, and it's just hard to believe that 12 years I've just went like that. Yeah, you do a lot more travelling and a lot more racing than I do, though. That's quite admirable, to be fair. Yeah, I suppose we do have more race weekends, but we get away without having to, to ride just as much yeah. as what you guys do. You do a lot of days on the bike during a year, mm-hmm. so... There's a lot of wear and tear on your body, so mm. I can imagine the off-season is important just to yeah. to chill out, but you don't really drink too much on no, ice, so you keep no. yourself in I a like good condition. I like doing things. I don't like being hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, uh, hopefully next year is um, going to be your year to, to go after those World Cups because it was nice to see you win in that last one at Estosha because it's almost like a monkey off your back. Cause it was, well, it was a, a relief more than anything. You know, I'd been like... On the podium week in, week out. Like, I missed the podium once. You have become Mr. Consistent the last two years. You're always there. It's been good, but, like, in 2018, I maybe had two podiums, but got second in the championship. In 2019, I was on the podium, I think we had seven races, so six times. Yeah. I was fourth in the championship. It's because everybody... I figured it out and everybody was really consistent. There was maybe only six, well, seven or eight guys on the podium, period. And we have a five-man podium in downhill, so it was the same people just here, there and everywhere. And I just need to try and push that extra five, ten percent and be more on the winning edge. Yeah. I was just constantly two three seconds off and it was really starting to bug me i was like what do i need to do here i'm trying everything i'm doing i'm doing preparing i'm watching gopro i'm timing i'm doing everything but i'm just that little bit off and then to get that winning snowshoe was a massive relief like to go into winter as well with having a win was was really really i was really happy about that well, you're in uh, the form of your life a bit like the end of 2016 when you yeah. won the last three World Cups of the year. You were to end after yeah. you know, <laughs> could have carried on. <laughs> but that's uh, it was amazing how three years just passed like that and now you've got that World yeah. uh, Cup uh, race with again. And I think going into 2019, the downhill is just crazy now with these Frenchies going so fast, but you yeah. put it right up in amongst yeah. them. That Did was cool to do that, was it? A lot of people were always, oh, you need to beat the Frenchies, you need to beat the Frenchies. And if it was that easy, we would, but they're really going for it. So. <laughs> that was mad, though, whenever you were up at the start gate, poor Loic Bruni and Amory Pierron, like, their, their destiny was in your hands. It was, and when you're in the moment, when you're warming up on the turbo trainer at the top, you're on the road as you're doing your visualisation, you're doing your program you have no idea what's happening down there no and it sounds like it was the well i've watched it back and it was a race of a, of a lifetime and i dread to think how they were feeling watching <laughs> it was up down up down like actually sent me a message on my wedding day and got me a wedding gift thanking me obviously congratulating me on getting married and then also thanking me for yeah because that's you... a life-changing thing to him to win the world cup overall and it was in my hands, so... Yeah, 
it, it's just absolutely crazy watching that race back. I mean, for, for those two guys that they could do nothing about it. Well, let's say if maybe Lewick or Amory had somebody up the top, you might have been uh, receiving a yeah. little bribe or something yeah. just to, because you well, could I have affected it. Lewick, he sort of messed it up for himself by maybe didn't ride the best. He didn't put himself in the position that he has done yeah. a few times this last season. But And Amory rode out of his skin, I guess, and did all he could and almost... It was almost enough, but I just figured it out. Yeah. No, that, that was such a strange weekend. We're in America. We don't have... We didn't have our pit set up. Like, I'm sure you have it as well sometimes when you go into all these different places all over the world and we're working out what looks like a a market stall. <laughs> we had just, like, bike bags with spares and it was just so not like what we have at home. So there was like no pressure and we'd had world champs the previous weekend and then, and usually that's the last race. It was all a bit different and I really enjoyed it. And I didn't really like the look of the course when I walked it, but I just, each run I just enjoyed it more and more and more. And, and even in the final, it was a run that I sort of quite enjoyed where you don't normally enjoy the final race run because it's, it's really quite dodgy, you know, you're pushing you're pushing on and it's quite scary sometimes and you get really nervous and obviously I was nervous for that but I really enjoyed it so it was good whenever I came to Andorra to watch uh, the World That's Cup round last year yeah. well, that the but watching you from the side of the track the difference between us it's uh, the speed of your brain that you kind of take off and they, they would mark out like tree roots and stuff in red and the speed in which you see them is unbelievable because if that was us, we wouldn't be able to process it and we'd be just head over shit into some tree. Whereas by the time, like, speed is your friend, you land, yeah. you just kind of bounce the front wheel over this stuff, keep the front wheel light. It's, it's all about just the same in your, like, in your game, looking ahead. If you're looking down, you're going to miss that apex and you're going to mess mm. this next turn up. It's all just about looking ahead and and you've, done the next section before you even get to it like I sometimes sit there and think what do you think about while you're doing that even a practice run like today I was riding and I was just riding for fun today but you're not you're you're like nobody at the time you're just a it's It's so difficult (laughs) to think about and if you are thinking about something else, then you should probably <laughs> You're put your bike in the van and go home because it's not good. And It's the same when I ride motocross or anything. And you, When you're actually doing something and you're in the moment and it's just happening, you're not thinking about anything in the world. It's quite a, it's like a zen sort of thing. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's four minutes of absolute focus and you do yeah. almost have to put yourself in, in the zone. I enjoy that moment for me when I put my earplugs in and That's helmet on because you, you feel at peace yeah. and you don't get nervous whereas if I'm watching a race in pit lane the noise and the, f- the smell suddenly I get more nervous yeah. so when, whenever you're in control yeah. and you're on the, the start ramp you're it's just such a crazy place that you're in it's just mental it is mental I guess well you've won just about every jersey then you're two times uh, world ch- champion uh, you've won the British Downhill uh, yeah. Championship a few times. So Twice I was national champion. Though. 
And there's only one big one missing then, isn't there, for 2020? Well, couple overall. Yeah. And you think it's on its way? Well, I'm doing everything I can and training hard. And I think I'm, I'm really working a lot harder on my nutrition this winter. And I, I just... It's hard. You just do what you do. And, like, obviously a good last season, which... I don't like to take confidence from results because if them results go away, then you're in a bit of a, a shit place. Whereas I try and keep just on the... I don't like the saying, it's quite cliche, like trust the process. But yeah. if you do what you if you do what you can and you train hard and you put out, put everything in line and it should fall into place. I think uh, you've got it all really well together. Now, looking at the last two years since you joined the Madison Saracen, you became mm-hmm. a bit like Troy Brosnan. You guys are so yeah. consistent. Yeah. But the way the points work for you guys, that win is key, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, that... if you can grab a couple of those wins, suddenly then you're a World mm-hmm. Cup champion. Yeah. Like I messed the one race up this season and that totally yeah. jacked me up, really. No, I think you're, you're, you've got it all now. That's it was three years without a World Cup win. Yeah. You've got uh, that monkey off your back again yeah, since yeah. for the first time since 2016. You've got mm-hmm. the consistency. you got a happy home life maybe on the way. Yeah, I think 2020 will be good. Hopefully. Well, thanks, Daddy. Thank um, you. I'll let you get back to it. And that's going to be the first episode of 2020. So, yeah, starting with a bag and hopefully a 2020 World Champion. Thank you. Cheers, Danny. Have a good one. You too.